I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Are you serious? So hello and welcome to another episode of How to Kill an Hour. My name is Marcus Bronzy. There are plenty of ways to kill some time out there. Right now, you're going to kill some time with us And today we're going to take a little digression from our usual episode because you'll notice that I have a guest, a guest that is not in the studio with me. We're using the powers of the technology that we praise here on the show to bring you. In fact, I'll let you introduce yourself, sir. Hello, I'm Nate Crowley and I'm hundreds of miles away. Where are you right now, Nate? Uh, I'm I'm in Walsall near Birmingham. Uh, I'm just in my conservatory, uh, just checking out my garden. What's your garden looking like? Can you describe it to me, please? Yeah, uh, some nice oranges and reds coming in. It's that time of year, isn't it? Uh, yeah. There was a buzzard yeah. earlier. That was good. Um, other than that, just the usual, really. I hear that. Have you, have you got a bird feeder? Not for buzzards, no. Um, I don't know, actually. No, we've got nothing out. Um We've got like a load of wasteland around the back of the house, so you get all rabbits and things. So I think that's where you get all the predatory birds. Oh yeah, a buzzard, a buzzard isn't uh, isn't a toast eater, is it, or, or a seed eater, is it? It's a uh, it's a it's another animal eater, isn't it? Oh, it's 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 a monster. Yeah, they're massive. I'm I'm not googling it right now. I promise. I'm not googling a buzzard <laughs> bird to have a look at it. But if you were to Google them. Uh, yeah, they look like a predatory bird. But the reason I've got you uh, on the show today, Nate, is because you have made an absolutely... <laughs> I've got it in my hands right now. Amazing book called 100 Video Games That's Never Existed. And yes. I think it's one of those books that kind of almost tells you exactly what it does. But do you want to describe it to us, please? Yeah, sure. So uh, this is... Um, a fictional history of video gaming. So it goes from the year 1980 to the present uh, and tells the story of uh, the development of video games through 100 games uh, that never existed at all. So uh, they're written about in great detail. It's fully illustrated, so you can see uh, cover artwork you can see screenshots from these games uh, it's got reviews of them it's got how the press reacted to them the disasters their developers had made making them but none of them were ever real <laughs> and there are some great ones in there and i do want to get to those but first things first how the fuck did this come around like uh, <laughs> how did you get this idea <laughs> So uh, this was, uh, I was meant to be doing something else. 
Um, I was on Twitter. Uh, it was December last year. Right. Um, and basically, whenever uh, I am, I'm on a deadline for something else. Uh, I end up on Twitter um, doing stupid things. I'm Frog Croakley on there, um, by the way. And people were doing those one like equals tweets. You know the ones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, like this tweet and I will tell you one fact about witches or dogs or, or something like that. Uh, I don't know about much about witches or dogs, maybe buzzards, but um, I certainly felt like I could make up fictional video games. So I said, I don't know, one like on this tweet and I'll do one fictional video game. Uh, and then I got a thousand likes and I didn't want to quit. So, yeah, that took up two months of my life. And now apparently it's a publishing deal. It was fun. <laughs> so you li- literally, like, the tweets are amazing, by the way. And we can st- you can still find some of them on your timeline, can't you, if we if we troll back, can't we? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, they're, they're great tweets. And I do remember them flying around at the time. But I didn't know that you'd actually, this had turned into a book. I mean, the foreword here has a very interesting story about how it came to be. But... I mean, so let's go from Twitter. So Twitter was absolutely smashing it with your with your fictional games. So these are games that you made up that didn't exist, but they just had loads of comedy effect. How did you go from that to sort of actually making a book? Like, was there a conversation that happened? Yeah, well, I'd been joking because I, um, my normal job, um, well, normal as it is, I write sci-fi books. Um right. And I was meant to be doing one when this happened. And I was joking with my agent saying, hey, instead of finishing my next book, can we just sell this list of tweets I did instead? I said, no, really, you should just get on with it. Uh, No, really, you should get on with it. And then it got to like February and he said, actually, actually, why the hell not? Let's try to sell that. Uh, (laughs) And so we got talking to Rebellion, who are the, they're a lot of fun to work with. And they're quite an odd company because obviously they're a video game studio. They do like Sniper Elite and, yeah. and games like that. Uh, but they've also got a publishing company. So they're kind of the best of both worlds. And so they said, well, what if we lend you like our entire concept art team while you're doing this? And they can illustrate your work. Um, right. and that's sold, sold. <laughs> right. So that explains the art. That explains why the artwork in it kind of. It's not just that it, there's great artwork in there, but it's really true to how computer game artwork has progressed over the years. I was going to ask you, like, how did like? Because it's one thing getting you know a couple of games that look like realistic sort of covers, but you've kind of got Mega Drive cartridges and and covers sort of perfected all the way through to sort of the the late 90s the kind of crazier kind of looking computer game so it so it was working with rebellion who like you said behind sniper elite 4 sick headshots love it uh so the (laughs) the group there behind that they kind of lent you their whole artwork team and was it kind of like here's this game like what was the one with is it beastenders the one with the yeah beastenders like beastenders there's a computer game with phil mitchell in it and uh, the world is, is it zombie? Is it a zombie apocalypse? God, it's it's aliens. aliens. That's it. Aliens yeah. Aliens land in Watford and he's got to handle business. That's it. Um, so what was it like? Do you just say to them, right, uh, I want I want Phil Mitchell with a hammer in his hand? 
Well, yeah, and the best thing is, because I've chosen like an era for each of these games. So let's say, I mean, I, I came up in the classic Mega Drive era, so right. early 90s, and I said to them, okay, so I'm thinking this is one of those really uh, sort of early, gory, sort of crunchy sound, side-scrolling <laughs> Mega Drive beat-em-ups. You've got Phil Mitchell with a claw hammer. You've got his brother Grant who can come in with a flick knife and a length of bicycle chain if things get heavy. And just, can you do that for me? Um, and then they went away, came back a day later with this amazing image of Phil Mitchell sort of streaked with blood about to <laughs> batter an alien into oblivion uh, in front of a pub. And that's, you know, that's perfect. Well, I mean, what a power to wield, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, a lot of these games, I really do want them to exist. Uh, Beastenders is definitely one of them. Uh, Thomas the War Engine as well. I was just like, please make this game exist. Because um, it's not just, they're not just funny, but I'm actually looking at a lot of these. I'm like, these would be good games. Has there been a conversation with Rebellion about maybe knocking out a couple of these as little titles, even if you just get a level or two out of it? I can't confirm or deny that at the moment, but I can, uh, I can say I've had the conversation. <laughs> oh, yes. Be standers, please. Uh, anyway, so you spoke about the layout of the book, which is very, very interesting. You just want to reiterate how, how the book is laid out in terms of um, the chronological order and how you split up the years. Yeah, sure. So it's like I say, it starts in the year 1980. Um, so that's back in the day when you've got um, all the classic Atari games and some of the not so classic Atari games. Mm -hmm. Like one of the funniest things in the early 80s, just the amount of shit that was released for the Atari. Um, mm. And that's sort of reflected in here. Um, like there's a game called Judge Dredd's Windy Day where... Judge Dredd just has really bad flatulence, and that's that's all that really happens. Um, and then you go through the the end of the eighties, and as I say, into the sort of the NES era, then Super Nintendo and, and Genesis, and that sort of era. Um, mm. Of course, in this fictional universe, you don't have Mario. You've got a morose deep sea diver called Sea Puncher, uh, who's punching fish on a mission to strangle the whale uh, that drowned his son. Uh, and then you don't have Sonic. No, Sonic. Uh, you've got Ricky Feathers, who's an owl with a skateboard. Um, you, you know, there's some hits and misses, like a pig falling out of a biplane music video maker uh, on the Sega CD. And then it goes through into the 2000s. Uh, and yeah, the book kind of accelerates towards the present day, bringing in things like, you know, VR, uh, augmented reality, uh, obviously, you've got things like the Wii coming in and sort of um, motion sensors and things like that. So the games get weirder and weirder as it goes on. Uh, but yeah, there's there's a hundred of them. There's also like um, there's some sort of features in there talking about like racing games and fighting games and and going into a bit more depth in some of their classic genres. Mm. And and yeah, I mean. It's it's great when you've got like you know miracles of gaming innovation and 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 stuff like that. It's um, it's amazing. Like, are you quite into gaming then to to kind of write in this way? Because it, I feel like you've read a lot of of game journalism because there's kind of like a tongue in cheek kind of feel where it. I feel like some of my favorite game journalists have been writing some of these, and you've managed to nail their language and the way they structure stuff perfectly. That's really kind of you to say, actually. I mean, I, I like um, when I was in my teens, 
like I read pretty much every gaming mag going. Mm. Um, I would even like, uh, I remember I used to get PlayStation magazine um, when I didn't have a PlayStation. I used to have Nintendo Power back in the day, you know, when I only had my friends Nintendo that I'd occasionally play on. I just really liked reading the reviews of the new games and I don't know, especially like in sort of PC Gamer, if, if you ever read that back in the day, it was really, I mean, I think Charlie Brooker started off there. I don't know, but some really funny stuff, uh, often really sort of sarcastic. And, you know, my favorite thing is reviews of really bad games. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, there's something about the language I really like when people are just confronted with unplayable garbage. Um, <laughs> it's a real treat. And there was a lot more of it back then, as you said. Yeah. <laughs> so what what so you were really into gaming then so what was your favorite era when you were on the come up playing games hmm well i i guess um i said earlier as a mega drive fan yeah. my seminal gaming memory was christmas 1992 and um my dad did a really savage fake out on me actually i'd been asking for a mega drive like all year yeah. And so I don't know if I can afford it. And then, you know, Christmas morning came around and yeah, I was obnoxious kid up at 5am. Can I open the presents yet? And he's like, yeah, fine. Open this box. Sega Mega Drive. Fantastic. I was like, are there any games? He's like, no, you can wait till next Christmas. So <laughs> Wow. Eight o'clock the mo- that morning, three hours later, after I finally got some sleep, he gave me Sonic 2. Oh, and- <laughs> I had I had been like I hadn't wanted to complain because you know it's generous, but I was devastated. <laughs> so when I played that, it was uh, I can honestly still remember listening to that music for the first time, um, and that that was amazing. Yeah, that I mean that must have been especially since you'd been sort of like teased into it like that. But can I just say that's probably made you into the good person that you are today. That's character building, parenting. You know, I, I I'm for that sort of stuff. <laughs> Okay, especially in a so. world now where everyone can get everything instantly you need to wait sometimes and you need to feel the burn of not getting something for a whole year as a as a child that must have felt like forever i i, I was willing to do it if that's what it took to get sonic 2 mm. i was that into it so. <laughs> okay you're a mega drive man i've got to be honest with you streets of rage was one of my favorite ever games probably one of my favorite Uh-oh. games ever yeah I, I think that was now see one thing i'm really interested in um it comes out in this book is like where various weird conventions first showed up in gaming mm. i think it might have been streets of rage that pioneered the feature in fighting games that somehow if you walk over a plate of roast chicken you yeah. become stronger yeah, yeah. i and think that yeah. might be the first game to do it not only do you become stronger we we learn that chicken is way more nourishing than an apple you play streets <laughs> of rage it imme- yeah, immediately. You know, if you ate a whole roast plate of chicken, you could be all, you could be near death. If you ate a whole roast plate, a whole plate of roast chicken, you would come back. If you have an apple, you know, makes you a little bit better. And as a child, I think that's that's great sort of knowledge to know nowadays because you know apples are relatively more carb heavy than chicken. So hey, even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less in similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. <clears throat> Educational value. <laughs> Chicken, um, it will give you five extra hearts. Five extra hearts. There you go. And you know what you can do with those. Loads. Um, so... <laughs> You also write science fiction as well. Please, can you tell me a little bit more about your sci-fi work? Is it slightly less comedy-like? Is it very straight down the line? Like, what's the style of it? Um, it's still like there's quite a lot of jokes in all of my writing. Um, but my sci-fi stuff, at least so far, has actually been a lot darker. Um, so it's kind of really weird, dark stories about zombies. Mm-hmm. Um. The the first book I had out, um, actually, sorry, the most recent one is called The Death and Life of Schneider Rack. And it's about a guy who's like a political prisoner mm. and he's executed, but then he's brought back to life uh, as a zombie working on a whaling ship. <laughs> um, and he doesn't have a very good time there. Uh. So it's really... Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit Moby Dick. Um, there's a lot of sea monsters. You know, there's a lot of intestines. Um, but there's quite a lot of jokes as well. Because I, I always think, like, you know, when you're faced with the most horrible situations, the best thing you can do is laugh, really. Yeah. 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 Sometimes, or a lot of the time, when things are like that, you just, you got to find that comedy, haven't you? Yeah. So I think... Um, yeah, I, I guess you could, you know, um, some of my stuff gets sold as horror, but uh, I always want to make sure I'm, you know, seeing the lighter side of things as well. Good to get a little giggle in there. Are you also creating a text adventure? Um, okay, so this one's had a rocky history. I was. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a little bit of funding from uh, Fail Better, who are a great little games company who did um, Sunless Sea, uh, they're currently working on Sunless Skies as their next game. Yeah. The, the amazing indie studio. And like I say, I got a bit of funding from them because um, they were doing this micro-publishing scheme for like first-time developers or small developers who wanted to do like Stranger Games. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was doing this text adventure, which was about... Okay, so it was called Big Mike Lunchtime's Business Training 95, right? <laughs> and so the game is supposedly... It's like an old sales training CD from 1995, but it's haunted by Big Mike Lunchtime, the terrible spirit of business. Um, and I was really enjoying writing this. Um, but the problem was I was using Twine, 
which is a really simple programming language. It's so simple, it's barely even a programming language. But unfortunately, I am even simpler. I'd never programmed anything before. Uh, and it was just taking so long to get the technical side of it done. Uh, it gave me loads and loads of respect for, especially like one one person game developers or smaller studios. Because yeah. like, you know, coming up with a good idea is one thing and like writing a fun game is another. But, you know, just going through the hours required to make things work technically is brutal. So in the end, um, yeah, I mean, I had to throw the towel in on the project. Um, I stayed on good terms with Fail Better mm-hmm. and I'll probably finish the game at some point, but I'll probably need to bring in someone who knows how to code to do that. So it was yeah. great learning experience, but it's still still out there somewhere. Yeah, well, you might have some mates from Rebellion after, you know, after this <laughs> does, does this little round. I mean, to be honest, i got mad respect for app and game developers because people, I hear the trash sometimes people give games and sometimes people are a bit harsh with games. Oh, yeah. And they, they forget the amount, especially nowadays when you're talking about the current generation, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, the amount that, of work that has to go into just a single NPC is ridiculous, mm. let alone like, make, you know, that set design and, 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 and main characters and stuff. I think sometimes people forget that. And um, this book kind of is a great reminder of sort of where games were and where they are now even though it is tongue-in-cheek when you look at the artwork because it's so bang on it just reminds you in terms of graphics and says it's taught terms of storylines because the stories do get a lot more um <laughs> they get a lot more intense as you get further through the book towards yeah. the sort of 80s and 90s but there are still some fun ones in there that are actually quite close to actual games so there's like um you don't mind if i mention another one i'd be mentioning a few of them but there's hundreds literally in the book there's yeah. there's, oh, bread, go ahead. Crazy. there's bread the game oh, uh, classic. yeah oh, ab- absolutely i mean do you want to tell us a little bit about bread let's let's have a little chat about bread the game go on yeah so bread the game the idea is that like the bread marketing boards uh decide to fund like a game to promote bread and when their president is asked what genre they want it to be, they just say all of them. <laughs> and then they eat a whole loaf of tiger bread in one gulp because they're that kind of press person. Um, and so bread, the game, and I'm just uh, flicking through to it now. It's like an anthology of different games, examining the history of bread uh, through a variety of, of sort of uh, different genres so you've got Loafing Around, which is a platformer where you're a medieval baker. Um, you've got, uh, I'm trying to, uh, like Early Days, uh, which is an RPG about the invention of the sandwich by the Earl of Sandwich. See what I did there, perhaps? Yeah, yeah. I like that. I like yeah. that. And so, yeah, basically, I spent an afternoon coming up with 10 really bad puns about breads. Um but yeah, I imagine that would be quite an experience. And do you know what? I actually, we tweeted that one um, when we were doing promos and someone really earnestly tweeted back. Like, I- I'm not joking. That would be my ideal game. I really want to play that. I really like bread and it looks a lot of fun. So there is, you know, th- there is something for everyone in here. Yeah, well, like mm-hmm. I said, there's a, there's more than one game that's come up in this book that that I think could actually make it into, in, 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 into physical version that we could actually play have you had because this is so close to the bone with regards to similarities with brands and games have you had any sort of emails cease and desists from anyone yet 
Oh, <laughs> I got so worried about this putting it together because, um, like, the guys at Rebellion, they know their law quite well, and yeah. so, you know, I sort of went with them on this. We've had no trouble thus far. The one thing that happened was we got to the day before we were like going to go to print with it, and game number fifty at the time. Um, you a fan of Alan Partridge at all? Of course, back of the net. Yeah, right. So, uh, you remember when he's, like, desperately pitching ideas uh, to the BBC commissioning editor? Yeah. And he comes up with Monkey Tennis. Um, so, I thought, what if, in this parallel universe, uh, he had pitched that to EA instead, and they'd made it, like, a massive best-selling sports simulation mm. that had made Partridge a millionaire overnight? So I did this whole write-up of Monkey Tennis where, like, Partridge does the voiceover and they did amazing art for it as well. But then we were about to go to print and Rebellion were like, hang about, the BBC are going to destroy us if we do this. Yeah. I can't remember. I think it's like you can't use someone else's character. Like, if it had been Steve Coogan's Monkey Tennis, would have been fine, apparently. But anyway, so we had to pull that and I replaced it with Moulin Luge, uh, which is a burlesque winter sports game. And to be fair... That wasn't bad for an instant replacement. No, not bad at all. Not bad at all. Um, so from what I've gathered, there's more than 100 ideas that you've got floating around that are in this book. Yes. Does that mean, I know it's a bit early because this book literally has, has just dropped, but you know, does that mean we could be looking for further installments of uh, best video games that never existed? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it'd be, be a lot of fun to do a sequel. Um I was thinking about different things you could do, actually. Like, um, you know, I was saying earlier, like, bad reviews are really funny. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, you know, this is the 100 best video games that never existed. <laughs> you see where I'm going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I could see it 100 worst. I'm, I'm ready for that. I'm ready for that. Um, I'm, I'm really glad to hear it. And, and I hopefully, you know, um, you, can, you can get that out. And this is the start of a great series. Because, you know what? I do like reading. And as an adult, I feel like I can't say this most of the time, and most people wouldn't. I like books with pictures still, and I feel like good the images in the... Sorry, go on. Good for you. Yeah, I like a good picture, and the images in this are great. They're really, really good. A uh, couple more before I let you get out of here. We like to ask whoever we bring on the show how they like to kill time. So how are you killing time? Or how have you been killing time recently, Nate? Uh, well, going on Twitter um is is always a thing um like i say um you know i don't know whether that counts as killing time now because technically that became a job with this so that's kind of complicated mm, mm. um one else I'm, I'm going to uh i'm going to the safari park on saturday we've How got a new car yeah it's uh with like one of those sunroofs that goes all the way like back oh yeah uh, and they've got giraffes at west midland safari park and they will get right in your car uh so i'm, I'm unreasonably excited about that to be honest with you it says um, that you love the zoo in your book I, 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 don't, I don't know what i feel like some of this could just be made up for fun but it says you do enjoy the zoo so you really do like the zoo that is the one true fact in the book yeah <laughs> i think the zoo wicked um and of course the the original um the original threads that started this um ended up it's probably too long a story for now but ended up raising a couple of grand for zsl which is the conservation charity behind london zoo as well so yes no uh th those waters run particularly deep with me 
Oh, that's great. No, I mean, that's that's awesome to hear that, you know, you're all, you get getting enough money to get yourself a new car with a massive sunroof, but you're also helping out ZSL as well. And also at the same <laughs> time, looking at your Twitter, uh, you, you like to eat eel flavor knickknacks or something yes. similar. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I love, um, we've got a massive Chinese supermarket near us and I love to cook. Mm. Um, and do some cooking later, actually. I'm going to make a steak. Um, but... I like just going around and buying things I don't quite understand to see if they're going to be amazing or frightening. Mm. Um, mm. So, you know, who doesn't like eels and who doesn't like knickknacks? So I saw what looked to be eel-flavoured knickknacks, gave them a go. I forgot to get myself any lunch today, and this was the, all I had in the cupboard. So I went for them, and it was it was unholy, really. I mean, I, I, I had one and then just couldn't put them down until I'd had the packet. Really enchanting stuff. So really, it was, it was a win. You'd go there again. Yeah, totally. totally. And that, to be honest, was one of the outside bets. It was like, well, let's get this for a laugh. But yeah. no, no, eel-flavoured knickknacks. I mean, you know, other brands are available. Uh, they're not technically knickknacks, but they sure do taste of eels. <laughs> I wouldn't know, but uh, it's good to know that you taste of ill. <laughs> One more thing before I get out of here. Speaking about your bio, I've been itching to ask you this. Why mm-hmm. do you call the cat Turkey Boy? Oh, right. Okay. So uh, this is okay. This I've got a real beef with my other half. She she insists the cat's named Melchit after the character from Blackadder. Uh, but I, every time I refer to him in public, I insist on, on calling him by the name I gave him, which is Turkey Boy. And that's because he's a big lad. Um, like his ideal weight would be about 5.8 kilograms. Took mm. him to the vet last week. Unfortunately, he's 6.8. He has got large. Um, but, and he's very fluffy as well. And he sits there with his legs sort of tucked in beside him. And he honestly... He just looks like like the perfect roast turkey centrepiece of a Victorian Christmas feast. <laughs> and he's got this sort of blank expression that, that looks like he's got the same level of sort of general insight into the universe as a roast turkey does. So, yeah, he's, uh, he's turkey boy. I'm surprised he hasn't come in to, to make a guest appearance, actually. It's, it's usually his favourite thing to do when I'm on the phone. <laughs> yeah, well, you know... I think I think you know may may have maybe looking for those eel flavored knickknacks. Might be looking for some more of those. He's he's a big fan of Destiny too, by the way. Oh, really? uh, I got last week, and he just stares at the screen, absolutely enchanted by the colours. I really want to know so, what animals are thinking when they look at screens, and then when they watch TV. I want to. I, I don't. Do they get it? Do they do they get it? Like, do they understand? Do dogs and cats understand that this is a simulation of real life, or do they think it's a small little world and they're looking at it through a window? <laughs> I don't, that's a good question. I don't know, but he's absolutely like enraptured by it. I think, I don't know, maybe, maybe he thinks he's seeing like the cat version of the gods. Who knows? <laughs> but he bloody loves it. Yeah, they do, don't they? But um, thank you very much uh, for, for coming on the show today, Nate, and talking all about your great book, 100 Best Video Games That Never Existed. Uh, where can we get our hands on it? I know I've got, my, I've got mine already in the studio. Well, you can uh, you can get them from Amazon. You can get them from Rebellion's web store. You can get them from Waterstones. Um, you can get them from Barnes and Noble. Uh, I know um, 
actually they were kind of in short supply in the first couple of weeks. Obviously, obviously. So yeah, any any reputable bookseller, I know lots of independent shops have got them as well. And uh, yeah, uh, if you if you want to find out more about it, um, I'm always happy to talk to people on Twitter mm-hmm. where I'm Frog Prokley. So come come find me there. Yeah, your Twitter is very entertaining. Very entertaining. Our, our producer has literally just followed you on Twitter and is already tweeting you and chuckling through the window at me, pointing <laughs> at the screen. Uh, yeah, yeah. And um, I look forward to uh, to just getting... I feel like I can read through this a few times and I look forward to 100 more video games. Maybe not so best ones, but yeah, uh, check it out. Great book, great putch- pictures. Great way to kill some time, if I'm honest. So very on topic for this show. Thank you very much, Nate, um, for joining us on today's show. I've been Marcus Bronzy. There's plenty of ways to kill some time out there. Thank you for killing some time with us. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you so much for that, mate. I really appreciate that. That was a a really great chat and that'll make a great episode that will pop out next week at some point, if that's all right with you. Yeah, splendid. Let me know. That um, was lovely end to my day, actually. So thanks for that. No problem. And you can get to your day drinking tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Make an early start on the grog. Yeah, that's it. Did the sound quality hold out all right? There was a bit halfway through where you sounded a tiny bit crackly and I was worried I might be coming through badly as well. You sounded absolutely fine. So I record everything this end. Uh, so if I sound crappy, that's all right. You sounded absolutely fine. You're loud and clear and perfect. So you will sound great on the podcast. I promise you that. I told you, it's my voice that needs all the editing. I tell you. <laughs> tell you. A lot of work goes in. A lot of work goes in. And uh, I look forward to your sci-fi books. I'm a sci-fi sucker. I love sci-fi. So um, I, I, I literally, I love either reading about science, like actual science, or I love sci-fi because I feel like... Oh, it's you will definitely, feasible. you'll definitely like Schneider Rack, Ben. It's serious, like crazy pulp. Cool. Um, cool. Like, yeah, it's good fun. So another yeah. another one for your your toilet to accompany hundred best video games. Oh, you hopefully, know it, man. So. you know it. You know it. I'll I'll read it and and if it's if there's an audiobook version that comes out, I like to read it again because when I'm on the go, I like consume audiobooks as well and podcasts. Yes. Um. So at the yeah, moment, that- so what I do is I read one and do audio with the other. So I'll so for example, audiobooks. I'm going through Jack Reacher novels. Don't judge me. Uh, and then um, which isn't sci-fi actually. I've taken a little break. And then I'll read, I don't know, then I'll just read something else which is totally different, like, you know, the historical history of Cornwall or something, do you know what I mean? I tell you a recommendation, actually, a book I read, uh, well, a book I read the, read, listened to, you know what I mean. Yeah, I did same the thing. Book while I was doing the research for this book is a book called Console Wars by Blake Harris. Okay. And it's a history of, like, just the massive marketing beef between Sega and Nintendo at the beginning of the 90s. So, yeah, if you've got any memories of that time, it's just amazing. It's like, you know, it, hey, it's like a corporate history, but it's genuinely really exciting. It's really yeah. pacey. Um, he brings the characters out well, and it's a good audiobook as well, actually. So, yeah, Console Wars, definitely recommended. Oh, wicked. I'll check that out. I've literally just typed that into the Googles, and I'll I'll get my, get my ears around <laughs> that ASAP. Well, thank you very much, man, and and, and have a great day. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. All right. See you later. Yes. See you soon. All right. Thank you. 